Let's enjoy today's message by Sam Adiemi. We begin a new series, okay? And I'd like us to read from Luke chapter 22, verses 41 to 44 in the New Living Translation of the Bible. Let me pray specifically for everyone in Nigeria right now that is a part of this service. And we know there's a lot of insecurity, so much going on, a lot of uncertainty. I pray, first of all, that in the name of Jesus Christ, the peace of God will fill your heart and mind. Secondly, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that this season, you will not be wanting for revelation. You will know what to do. God will give you direction for yourself, for your family, for your career, for your organizations. The Spirit of God will guide you. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, nothing will happen to you because the presence of God will be real with you all through this season. I pray in Jesus' name that by the blood of the covenant, anything that looks like violence that sees you will pass over you. We stand on the promise of the word of God to receive safety for you and your family in the name of Jesus Christ. And now, together with one heart, we pray for the leadership of our country at all levels that any idea that is not from God will perish. We pray wisdom for the leadership and that in Jesus' name, the country, you know, will find a new direction, build a new foundation and improve the quality of life like never before in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining me there. And of course, we pray for every nation that all of us are represented in right now. Uh, every nation we're participating in this service from, I prophesy peace over your nation in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, in Jesus' name, we pray this season that economies are recovering. We prophesy in Jesus' name that God will bless the economy of your country and bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> All right, let's go to our scripture for the day. Luke 22, verses 41 to 44, New Living Translation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. We'll title this series, Let Go. Let Go. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. When was the last time you knew what God wanted you to do but it was in conflict with what you wanted to do. Can you think for a few seconds about such a scenario in your life? You had a clear sensing of what God wanted you to do, but then it was in conflict with what you loved to do or what you wanted to do. And then the question I'd like to ask next is, who won? Did God win in that scenario? Or did you win in that scenario? Very important. 
So as we progress through this series, you're going to learn something. And it's very important <laughs> that whenever you win and God loses, you lose. And whenever you lose and God wins, you win. I'll take that again. <laughs> when there is a conflict between your desire and God's desire, whenever you win and God loses, you lose. And whenever you lose and God wins, you win. All right. Some of us that you see preaching today did not desire to preach. We did not plan to preach. <laughs> I mean, my whole life was planned to be an engineer, a civil engineer and a building contractor. It was already becoming family tradition. My grandfather was the leader of all the builders in my hometown. My dad took after him a building contractor, okay? <laughs> I grew up on construction sites. So when I had to choose a course to study, I went for the engineering. Why? Because the business was waiting for me. <laughs> you know, I was going to inherit a, co a construction company. Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> but here we are today, right? Hmm, 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 hmm. Thank you, Lord. I remember one day during my youth service, my national youth service in Nigeria, uh, I mean, first, in the first place, can you imagine, I, <laughs> usually you would be posted to a construction company if you were a civil engineer like myself, you know, and then it just so happened that the first month which we spend on a special camp, you know, for training, they were choosing the leaders of the Coppers Fellowship, we call it the Coppers Fellowship. You know, <laughs> the fellowship for all the Christian youth coppers in the whole state. And they were choosing who should be the leader. And my, oh my, was I shocked the day they announced <laughs> that I was going to be the leader for the whole state. Oh my God. And whenever they chose you like that, actually you did not go to work anywhere else. That was the full work that you did for the year. Honestly, when I was informed, <laughs> I said, Lord, what is this about? <laughs> he said, yeah, I called you. <laughs> I called you. So I wanted to do that. In fact, specifically, I wanted to develop your pastoral calling during this year. And you know what? The, one, the calling that I like, the one I discovered first was my teaching gift. And I love teaching. I had fallen in love with teaching. And then people began to say to me, you're a pastor. Oh, my God, I did not like to hear that word. Hey, pastor, I said, no, <laughs> I'm a teacher. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm praying and asking the Lord, so what am I supposed to do with this year? What is this all about? How could they, how did they even know me? <laughs> I wasn't speaking. I'm quiet. I was just doing my own business on the camp. And, and you know, the witness I had in my heart was, it's actually your pastoral calling you to develop during this year. So, okay. <laughs> okay, fine. So, that's 
you know, that's a journey. But I remember a, a specific day. While I was doing that, honestly, I was writing from Nigeria to some universities in the United States asking for the application package for the master's degree in civil engineering. So I remember this particular day, I got one of those packages and I was looking at this beautiful brochure, you know, <laughs> and I just felt this strong thing, <laughs> you know, in my spirit, you know, like, you want to disobey me? <laughs> Where are you going? What are you doing? You know, I just felt that strong doubt and resistance. So, was, so I just stood up, you know, from the bed. I said, it's okay. It's okay, Lord. Whatever it is you want me to do, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Then I, then I decided to trash, you know, to, to throw the whole envelope and everything in it away. So you know what I did in the room? I took it and I just flung it. Not outside, not in the trash bin, but under the bed. Under the bed, so that just in case... <laughs> Just in case God changed his mind or something changed along the line, I would not be looking for a new brochure, okay? That's amazing, isn't it? Yes, that when God asks us to give something away, sometimes we don't give it, we don't put it too far. Yeah, when he asks us to give us his life, we don't give it too far. We keep it nearby so we can pick it up again when we need to pick it up and to fiddle with our own lives and our own plans. So, further down the line, okay? Um, oh, yes, I eventually insisted I had to do my job. My pastor was asking me, come and work with us in the church. That was after the National Youth Service. I said, no, <laughs> I'm going to get a job <laughs> as an engineer, okay? Now, remember, I was to work in my dad's business, by the time I was done with the studies, there was the economy had gone through a very difficult time and um, the business was actually not there for me to work in at that time. Okay, so I had to find a job. So I insisted, I had to go get the job, you know. <laughs> the money, the money was important. Look, I'm not joking. <laughs> I need the money <laughs> for me and the family and so on. And then eventually, so I, I got the job. And you'll be amazed how when the job came in the scenario. One day I woke up in the morning and said, okay, okay, Lord, okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go meet my pastor and tell him I'm ready to work as a volunteer in the office. I'll be reporting every day. Yes, at the church office. I went to my pastor on a Thursday evening, you know, on a Thursday evening. Friday, he said, he said, meet me in church on Friday morning. I'm introducing you to everybody. He introduced me, said I was going to take care of the administration of the church. And then on Sunday morning, the strangest thing ever happened. One of the deacons in church approached me and said, there's a construction site. Okay, there's a company building a new high court building for the state. They need a site engineer. Okay, I just wanted you to know so you can put in your application. I said, thank you. Oh my God, I was like, what? I mean, I just told my pastor I was going to be serving 
at the church office on Thursday, Friday, he introduced me to all the staff in the office. And then Sunday, you're bringing this? I said, I hope this is not some temptation from the devil. I've, I've yielded everything to God, you know. I was youth pastor in the church then, and I took the announcements in the service. That day, you know what I did? I added it to the announcement. I said, I'm, I'm done struggling with God. If this thing is not mine, let it not be mine. I'm just, I'm just done. I, I want to do whatever God wants me to do. So I made the announcement. There is a vacancy somewhere for a site engineer. After the service, the deacon came to me and said, I had you making the announcement. I said, yes. He said, aren't you a civil engineer? I said, yes. He said, I brought the job for you. <laughs> I said, thank you. Anyway, I put him for the job, went for the interview. Uh, in, uh, at first, they said, they told me point blank that they would prefer the other candidate. Uh, and then uh, some days later, the deacon came and said, oh, they said they decided to go for the other candidate. And then some days later, he came back and said, they changed their minds and said they want to hire you. I said, good. I joyfully went on site. But <clears throat> I don't want to stretch the story too long. Eight months later, I was out. <laughs> I went back to church 100%. But this is where I'm going. Telling my dad that I was leaving, you know, the site was going to be tough. I did it. I did it because while on the site, I just knew I was out of my element. People were coming to meet me on site. Can you imagine that for counseling? <laughs> And one day, you know, I was complaining because my director was not happy about it. You, you, you know, he said something about it. And I, and I said, Lord, can you hear what the man is saying? He said, exactly. Your real customers are the ones coming to find you here. The gift is there. It's obvious. <laughs> you know? So I left. And I still remember the day I left that my, my boss, you know, <clears throat> a Muslim was... He, he said he was just surprised, you know, and then the person next to him also spoke and said, I, I just don't understand why you should leave a promising career like this and go into religion. So that's what we don't know. And I said to them that they really appreciate, you know, the love you're showing to me and your concerns. I said, but you know what? I found one area of life where I function like a computer. And one thing I can tell you is that you will hear about me. Okay. <laughs> so thank you once again. And I said bye-bye and left. Um, but the day I told my dad I was going to leave the site, he was shocked. If I would use the language young people use on social media right now, I would say, he choke. <laughs> oh my God. What? But he remembered. He remembered that when I was born, <laughs> you know, having lost uh, the first child just after he was born, um, they had prayed. And because they prayed and I came, they named me Samuel. And at my dedication, the pastor asked them, do you understand the implication of the name you gave him? So when God needs him, will you be ready to let him go? And they said, yes. So to them, this was it. Okay. Remember, what we're going to be addressing 
is when you have that clash of interests, clash of wills, clash of desires, clash of plans between you and God. Jesus taught us to pray, you know, in Matthew 6. You know, our Father who is in heaven, that's from verse 6. You know, hallowed be your name. And then he taught us to pray. Yeah. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus found himself in that sport. He found himself in that sport when he was about to die. Where he knew it was the Father's will for him to go to the cross because there was a plan to be accomplished. But honestly, who wants to die? Who feels good about dying? I mean, he, he, he was so tensioned that drops, heavy drops of sweat came from his face and they said they were like drops of blood. And you had the prayer that he prayed. Lord, if it is possible, let this cup pass. It was a cup of suffering. <laughs> you know, but he had it. And Lord, not my will, but your will be done. See, naturally, I'm not the kind of a person that changes my mind easily. So you can just imagine that I've had many of those encounters with God. Remember what we said. You win and God loses, you lose. You lose and God wins, you win. And we'll explain that a whole lot more as we go on with this series. There were some people in the Bible who wanted to follow Christ, but there was a clash of wills. Luke chapter 9, verses 59 to 62, New Living Translation. Luke 9, 59 to 62. He said to another person, come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, yes, Lord, I will follow you. But first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. So you see, a lot of people wanted to follow Jesus. This man was a crowd puller, for God's sake. He was famous and all that. Everything looked so good and rosy from the outside, but they did not know there was a price to pay to get that amount of influence. So Jesus would confront them. You like their claim, you like the fame, <laughs> but are you willing to pay the price? Anyone that wants to follow me, you know, mister, this one says, I want to go bury my father. And, and theologians say, well, it looks like he was the firstborn. He wanted to go stay at home so that when his father died, he would inherit the rights of the firstborn. Then he would come do the will of God. And Jesus said, excuse me, you can't position it that way. God has to be first or nothing. Wow. It is not always easy to do the will of God. That is what I'm saying. <laughs> Sometimes it's like dying. But if you die, you will resurrect. Okay? <laughs> so, 
You have the story of the wealthy man in Mark chapter 10 who said, Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, oh, keep all the commandments. He listed the commandments. The man said, I've been doing that from when I was young. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus looked at him and really loved him. And then said to him, oh, you still lack one thing. Go and sell everything you have. Distribute them to the poor and then come follow me. (laughs) And the Bible says that his face fell and he was sad because he had a lot of possessions. That's it. Conflict between his desires, his plans, his goals, and God's plans and goals. And after he left, Jesus said, you see what I've been saying? (laughs) You see what I've been saying? That it, he said, it is very hard for a rich man to make it in God's kingdom. They say, oh my God, who's, who then, who's going to make it? When you get home, please read Mark 10, verses 17 to 31. It's, who's going to make it? Jesus said, oh. What was Jesus saying there? When you have nothing, it's easy for you to consecrate everything to the Lord because there's nothing. It's easy for you to pay the price because the price is worth nothing. You have no asset. You have nothing. <laughs> you have nothing to lose. When, so when God tells you to jump, you jump. But honestly, when you make those sacrifices and then the returns come on those sacrifices, then it becomes increasingly difficult for you to obey God. That's the truth. <laughs> so when you read the Bible, it will seem like God is against people being rich. Absolutely not. Because when the disciples said, then who will be saved? Jesus said, with men it is impossible, but with God it is possible. If you are yielded to God, yielded to the Spirit of God, John 12, 24, 25 will happen to you. Except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains the way it is. But if it dies, it brings forth much fruit. That's what Jesus said. <laughs> what you, it's, it's a death and resurrection experience. What you let go of will, be, will pale in insignificance will pale in significance compared to what God wants to produce through you. That's it. Jesus then told them, anyone who's left land, houses, brothers, sisters, I mean relationships for my sake and the gospel's sake, he said, they will in this world receive a hundredfold and in the world to come eternal life. Boom. Boom. Listen, never compare yourself with someone who's bearing much fruit supernaturally. You can see it's God that's blessed the person when you don't know the price that they paid. You follow God and obey God's voice. So I ask you once again right now, is there something that God's asked you to do? You know that is the will of God. You know that is the will of God. It's clashing with your plans, your goals, your will. Who will win? God you. If you win and God loses, you lose. If you lose and God wins, you win. Can we pray just a minute? I want, I want you to talk to God and whatever it is he's asking you to do, can you pray a prayer of consecration and tell him, not my will, but your will be done. Give me the grace to do your will. Give me the grace to obey you, however difficult it may be. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Well, the one thing God wants every single one to do first is to accept Jesus Christ and the price that he paid on our behalf for sin and to receive forgiveness from God.
Can we pray together if you're that honest person who says my relationship with God is not okay? All right, can you put your hand on your heart wherever you may be at any of our physical locations or <laughs> online? Can you put your hand on your heart or through TV and say this prayer after me? Dear God, I believe that Jesus paid for my sins. I ask you to forgive me and to accept me as your child. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for everyone that said this prayer today, took the first step in submitting their lives to your will. Heavenly Father, yes, Lord, make it a death and a resurrection experience. <laughs> today marks a new beginning in their lives, like a seed planted in the soil. Heavenly Father, let the power of the Holy Spirit invade their lives and produce through them beings, people that never existed before. Let it be the Christ life showing through them now in their character and in every area of their lives. Thank you because their sins are forgiven. The nature of sin is removed from them now and your nature is in them. And we're grateful for this miracle because Jesus said there's celebration in heaven when this happens. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>